Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. You know, as I've, as I've said for the last several weeks, we're, we're working our way to Jerusalem to ultimately celebrate Easter in a couple of weeks. And uh, next week, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. And I would just uh, invite you to come back and join us uh, next Sunday morning as we participate in what Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so I just invite you next week to, uh, to come back as we do, as we participate uh, in that. And, um, and then, of course, the week after that is Easter. And uh, we will praise and celebrate the resurrected Lord. Although I got to tell you, I'm going to do that today, too. And, uh, you know, we have the decided advantage over these early followers of Jesus in that we have the resurrection to look back on. And we have the resurrected Christ and the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. And can I just tell you that makes all the difference in the world? Sometimes, sometimes I think it's difficult for us to live like that. But, but it's true. Nonetheless, even when, it's, even when we forget Even when we forget that, it is true nonetheless. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are always with us. And, uh, you know, as as we've been uh, making our way to Jerusalem, uh, I'm going to be in Mark chapter 11 today. As is typical, it's going to take me a little while to get there. But... uh, you know, we, we have been, uh, you know, the, uh, Jesus and his uh, disciples and what I believe anyway is a growing multitude of his followers. And, and probably not only his followers, but probably also some that are just curious about what's going on. Maybe even some that are, you know, wanting a free meal or whatever. You know, they began at, uh, at Galilee and that have been making their way to Jerusalem some 60 or 70 miles, I think. And um, last week, we, uh, we found him at Jericho. And uh, Jericho, and I didn't know this at the time, but Jericho is the, uh, the lowest city on earth. It is 800 feet below sea level. And uh, so, so when, when Jesus and his followers, particularly Simon, when Jesus sets out from, or not Simon, um, Thomas, when, when Jesus said, let's go to Jerusalem, and, uh, or let's go up to Jerusalem, and Thomas said, let us go with him and die with him there. I mean, Thomas suspected what was going on. Jesus, of course, knew what was going on. But, but when they said, let's go up to Jerusalem, that's a literal thing. Jericho's 800 feet below sea level and 15 miles away in the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is 3,000 feet above sea level. And, of course, they didn't, you know, have cars to drive that you could put in low and drive up the hill, right? They were walking. And uh, so it's, it's quite a trek. 
But, and, I, and I've not had the opportunity to, or the pleasure to go to the Holy Land yet. One day, one day I'm going to, Lord, Lord willing. But, uh, but from everything that I read, it's like this is, a, this is a desert dry road from Jericho to Jerusalem. And it's uphill. And it's a drudgery. And it's hard. They said even if you traveled it every day for business, it was hard. But that when you got to the top of the Mount of Olives, just a mile or two before Jerusalem, you come to the top of the hill. And they said from the top of the hill, number one, your trek uphill was over. But laid in front of you was the grand city of Jerusalem. And the centerpiece of Jerusalem was the temple in all of its grandeur. And that no matter how many times you had traveled that road, when you got to that point on the road where you were overlooking the the city of Jerusalem, that there was just something about it that was in in lifting, in, in lift, I don't even know what word to use. That it was just grand. And particularly when Jesus and his band of followers are coming, there were, there were probably hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem. They were coming to celebrate the Passover feast, as they did every year. They came every year to celebrate the Passover feast. And, and the things that I've read from historians and extra-biblical sources said that every year there was, this, there was this excitement about coming back to Jerusalem for the Passover. All of these pilgrims from all over Judea and Galilee and all of the surrounding areas would come back to Jerusalem to celebrate that time in their past when God had set them free. And it was a joyous time, and it was a celebratory time. And of course, when you have crowds of Jewish people coming to celebrate, you also have Roman soldiers that also begin to increase in number to make sure the crowds stay in check. Because you see, these, these people were still under bondage. Even though God had set them free some 600 years earlier, they were again under Roman rule. And, and every year there was this thoughts from the Roman governments was, you know, will there be this group of zealots or will this, there be this group that will try to rise up against us that we will have to squash? And, and every year the Jewish people were just gathering to celebrate that Passover uh, feast where hundreds of thousands of animals would be purchased and brought into the city and sacrificed as folks celebrated, families gathered together and gathered with friends all over Jerusalem and all over the outskirts of Jerusalem, as far as even uh, Bethany and Bethphage that we'll look at to see today where, where they would celebrate the Passover. So you can just sense the festive thing stuff, you know, just feeling that that is there. That's always, always there every year at this time. But this year, there was something else. Because this year, Jesus was coming. This, this man that was not, not just another prophet, not just another man, not just another leader, 
But Jesus was this man who had his followers with him that had gathered, that had, that had people follow him from, from all over the country that, that had seen him heal people, that had seen him raise people from the dead, that had watched him just heal a blind man in Jericho. And the scripture says in John chapter 12 that, that when the crowds that were in Jerusalem heard that Jesus was coming, they went out to meet him. And we can only imagine, I, I mean, the numbers of people that might have been with Jesus. And they were coming out, they, they, they were following him in, and they went out to meet him. And it, there must have been quite an expectation of what might occur this Passover. As perhaps the king that had long been prophesied was here. We pick up our, the story in Mark chapter 11 beginning in verse 1. And I don't know about you. I, actually, I do know about you. You know, because you're like me. I mean, the only reason I say that is, is you're like me. And, you know, when I, when I started, I mean, I'd known that this is kind of the passage I was going to preach from for, you know, a couple of weeks, right? But I had no idea what I was going to preach from this passage. And, but, but this week, there's just been, it, it's amazing to me how, how there just may be some simple phrase that just captures me. And I know what happens to you too as you read your Bible and as you're pouring over and meditating over the scriptures that the Holy Spirit just like stops something that, you know, may be seemingly even insignificant and says, hey, you know, dwell on this. And uh, that's kind of what happened to me this week as I was, I say this week, yesterday and this morning. And uh, we're not going to get very far into this passage of Scripture, I don't think. But, but I, do want to, uh, I do want to talk about it a little bit. Beginning in Mark chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 and then talk just a minute and then we'll cover some more. But it says, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives... Remember that picture? Remember that view that I was talking about? He sent two of disciples. He sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. You know, the, Matthew tells us that the colt was a donkey. Uh, and not just a donkey, but two donkeys. A, a, a donkey colt, and what we assume was the mother of the donkey colt. A donkey that had never been ridden. And, you know, there's significance in that. And you guys have probably heard who knows how many messages preached on this passage of Scripture. But, you know, when a king, and, and I didn't know it, but a donkey wasn't viewed, you know, like we do view a donkey today. 
I mean, to us, a donkey today is just kind of a humble, I don't know, look down upon, stubborn. I mean, I, all these things come into my mind when I think about a donkey. But, but in Jesus' day, a donkey was a royal animal. In fact, Solomon, in, uh, in, as, as there's a passage in Scripture, I don't remember where it's at now, I'm sorry, but it says that, that he went, Solomon went and set him on his own beast, which was the donkey, that he might ride him. So, so it was not a dishonorable thing, it was an honorable thing. When kings came into a city in their parade, having experienced a victory of war, they rode a horse. A horse was a, was a war creature, right? When they came in peace, they rode a donkey. Donkey was a symbol, was a symbol of peace for a king to come riding on it. It also was going to be a fulfillment of prophecy. Zechariah 9, chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. And he is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So that was prophesied by Zechariah hundreds of years before, before the time of Jesus. And Jesus is going to is going to fulfill this, this prophecy. Continuing in, in verse 4, it says, So they went their way, and they found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Now, I don't want to pass over too quickly what is going on here, what has gone on here, this incident with the donkey. Jesus had told them where to find the donkey and what to say if they were confronted by it. And I can only imagine those two disciples that were sent, hey, go steal me a donkey. You're going to find a donkey. You're going to, in fact, you're going to find two donkeys, a mother and her foal or colt. Excuse me, not foal, I guess that's a horse. A mother and her colt. Take them, bring them to me. If anybody says anything to you, just tell them the Lord has need of it. And I don't know what these disciples thought when they went, but I mean, they go into town, obviously, and they're the village, and sure enough, there's, a, there's the colt that Jesus obviously must have been talking about. So they steal the colt. But they do get caught. Right? They're asked, hey, where are you going with that colt? Now, we don't have any idea of the details of any of this. We don't know if, if just in his supernatural foreknowledge, Jesus knew that colt was going to be there. Or if perhaps on some time, because this is not Jesus' first trip in. If at some time over the last several years, he had been there and worked this out with the owner of the, of the donkeys. We don't, we don't have any idea. But here's what, here's what we do know. 
When the disciples shared the word of Jesus with whoever it was that was questioning them, the word was, the Lord has need of it. That is the phrase that has grasped me. The Lord has need of it. You know, I don't suspect that, that, uh, that there was much discussion, as there would have been if I'd have owned a donkey. It's like, who, who, told, who told you to come take my donkey? Or, well, how long are you going to have them? When will you bring them back? How long is this going to take? What are you going to do with them? You see all the, all the stuff that, that me and perhaps you might be asking when we just hear the Lord has need of it. But all we get is that, and he set them loose. I suspect, I don't, I don't know, I mean, guys allowed me a little grace this morning because we don't have any idea about any of this stuff. I suspect because they said our Lord, the Lord has need of it. Whoever it was questioning was a follower of Jesus too. <laughs> and that ended the discussion. Because you see, if I'm a follower of Jesus and the Lord has need of it, it's done. It doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter what I have to do. If everything that I possess and everything that I own and the goal and the aim of my life is to serve the Lord Jesus, then I let it go. And I could stop right here. Because that is, in essence, the bulk of the message. How do we respond? When through the Holy Spirit of God or the Word of God or a disciple says the Lord has need of it. Do we look for all kinds of ways to not let our donkey go? Or to try to protect our donkey? Or try to use somebody else's donkey? Lord had need of it. We may not, you may not realize it always, but as a as a pastor, <laughs> I uh, I see your gracious, loving actions in response to the Lord has need of it. I have a man come up to me and say, "Hey, I'm gonna." go up this afternoon and I'm going to mow the lawn and I'm going to pick up the stuff out of the flower bed and I'm going to do this stuff to get ready for the funeral this afternoon. I said, ah, not a big deal. You don't need to do that. He said, yes, I do. I want to do it. It's people that say, absolutely, I will get a group together and we will prepare a funeral dinner. Lord has need of it.
I'm sorry. Or because there's not a funeral home involved and nobody really realizes how much work a funeral that doesn't have a funeral home involved takes to have those that say, absolutely, we'll design and print the program. Yeah, we'll stay late. We'll come in early. We'll clean and reclean. We'll design. We'll take care of the flowers. We'll. Because the Lord has need of it. You see, those are real, tangible expressions of love for one another that minister to Jesus himself. Just like providing the donkey. I never thought about the guy that owned the donkey before. I never thought about I never thought about Jesus' words. Jay, just just tell him the Lord has need of it. That's all it's going to take. You don't need any other explanations. You don't have to worry about what somebody's going to think of you. You don't just just tell him the Lord has need of it. You know, church, I I, I pray that. That as a church, that we are, that we are, and I don't just mean you guys. I'm talking about the followers of Jesus in general. That that we are disciples and followers of Jesus. That are receptive and listening to and willing to obey whatever it is when we hear, and the Lord has need of it. Well. We go on, verse 7 says, Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Everything that Jesus does from here on in is an absolute declaration that I am the King. For the first time, Jesus is not telling his followers, mm, be quiet. Nope, don't, don't do that. It's not time yet. Jesus says, go get the donkey. Go get my donkey. I'm the king. I'm going into the city. And all of these people that come out for, to meet him, which would have been in front, and all of those that were following him into the city begin to go into the city. And they, and they go in, and, and, and verse 9 says, Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And what the people were shouting was indicative of the kind of king they thought Jesus was. The word Hosanna is not just a, it's not just a word that means praise. You know, I mean, you know, our, our children, I have grandkids, right, that do Hosanna, Hosanna. You know, I mean, you guys know the children, praise him, praise him, and all that kind of stuff. which And, and, and there is that element to Hosanna. But what, the, what it really means is come now. 
come now. And they knew it. They knew what it meant. Come now, King Jesus. Come now, King sent by God. Come now, King, to redeem us. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. They, that, those were shouts for the Messiah. Those were shouts for the king to come. The problem was, for the most part, they didn't even know what kind of king he was. He had been trying to tell them, I come to bring peace. But they didn't really understand. They had their traditions that said what the Messiah was supposed to be like. They had psalms that told what the Messiah was going to be like. He was going to rule. He was going to reign. And the deal is they, they, they thought, for the, now not all of them, I, I, I suspect that, that this group is much like folks today. Some that, 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 knew, that knew what Jesus really was that knew who Jesus really was and what his kingdom was about. And there are others that just, they wanted the kingdom to be about what they wanted it to be about. They wanted it to be about freedom from Roman rule. And they wanted it to be freedom from oppression. And they wanted it to be that we might, that we might be able to do what we want and act like what we want. And Jesus didn't stop them. He rode in to Jerusalem that day as the king, in spite of their misunderstandings. But you know, as, as I think about this, as I think about this, I, I think about how many followers of Jesus are kind of the same way. We have this thing in our head, or we have this tradition, or we have these, these teachings that we have been taught that says, when I follow Jesus, everything's going to be great. Jesus will fix everything. He will free me from this rule. He will free me from this oppression. He will get rid of the Romans. He will... I mean, do you see how we've, we almost view that type of Jesus even now? We want him to rule in his rightful place over America. We want him to heal us of our diseases and free us of our afflictions and our addictions and our, and our issues. And we, just like the crowds following him into Jerusalem, oftentimes just don't get it. He came to live a perfect life and to die an awful death to pay the penalty for my sin and your sin. That we might have victory over an eternal foe that seeks to kill and destroy us eternally, not just in this life.
And, and just like these folks, for the most part, not all of them, for the most part, probably many of them just, they, they, missed, they missed it. It wasn't about making life just better for them. It wasn't about just setting them free from Roman rule. It wasn't about giving them the life they wanted. It was about a spiritual kingdom that lasts forever. That is way, way better. And folks, we know there are struggles in this life. And there are what are seeming defeats in this life. Jesus came, rode in, was crucified and resurrected again to pay the price for everything. And just like he let these folks believe what they wanted to believe, we can believe what we want to believe, but what we need to know is the truth. That our God is a Savior. And we're going to go through some hardships in this life. And we're going to go some, through some things that are awful. Just ask Wayne and Evelyn. But you know what? Jesus is still king. And he is the real king. And one day, all will be made right. So I guess, you know, as I, I mean, kind of a super short message this morning. But, you know, but as, as, I, as I think about this message, right, there's two basic things that I've challenged you with, right? The first one is, how do we respond to the, the Lord has need of him? Do you need to, do you need to just repent and tell the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry for those times when I just haven't been submissive and obedient to just give you everything. Then that may be it. But the other thing is, what kind of a follower of Jesus am I? What are my expectations of the Savior? Am I, am I living and hoping in this life only to be freed and to be, have life the way I want it? Or do I recognize that the kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom. Now, I don't want to downplay the blessings of God. You guys know me well enough to know that I, I mean, I believe that followers of Jesus are blessed. And they are graced with a grace that we can't even imagine. But you know what? It's in spite of and it's in the midst of all of the evil that is around us. Jesus makes a difference. When he comes in, he comes in as the true king, whether they get it or not. And he is the true king whether, whether we get it or not. You know, the disciples, they didn't necessarily turn against him. Sort of they did. You know, we'll get to that maybe. But they didn't turn against him. But even if they didn't, but even they did not understand until after the resurrection from the tomb. And then... You could not force them away from the truth of God. 
They all died martyrs' deaths, as did many, many of the early believers, as many do today. The good news that Jesus came as king and died to pay the penalty for our sin that we could do nothing about. He paid for an eternal salvation that gives us the strength and the power to live whatever life on this earth brings us. And he is the king. Guys, stand with me. Many times, our uh, you know what we what we want as we pray to the Lord, and what we want as we follow the Lord in our way, is uh, it's not always the way that things work out. Sometimes the the way of the Lord is not the way we would have chosen. But no matter what it is, we as His followers, we trust Him. We must trust Him. And, uh, you know, I'm going to end the service today just with a a song. I was up here before the service started, and Daniel was was playing this song. I think the title of it is The Blessing. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, it just kind of come all over me. And uh, so I went up and I said, hey, Daniel, I'd like to I'd like to play this song, you know, at the end of the service. Okay, well, sometimes the simple things that you ask are, it's like, okay, Marty, that's like eight and a half minutes long. It's like, okay, that's too long. And it doesn't have, it's like a live version. And it doesn't have, you know, it's just, you can't do it. So I thought, that's, that's cool. That was just for me then. You know, I mean, that's all right. And in a minute, you know, I see the words up on the screen and the song's playing again, and he's found some way of, of doing it. But it's called The Blessing. And I, and I want us just to end our service today by, by listening to, or if you know it, sing with it, or whatever it is. Just knowing the blessings of Jesus. Even though life is not always as we would have it. Jesus is king. And we trust him. Amen. Play it, Daniel. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you.
Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, we invite you to send us an email at prayforyou@att.net. That's P-R-A-Y, the number four, Y-O-U at att.net. Or call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week.